0: Hello, and welcome to Exchanging Eternal Truths. I'm your host, author and minister, Heather Lancaster, and this week, I'm happy to be joined by Adam Barr, the founder of Inheritance Church outside Grand Rapids, Michigan, and today we're going to talk about Life Without Limits. So, Adam, thank you for joining me.
1: It's great to be here, Heather. Thank you for the invite.
0: Absolutely. So, Life Without Limits. That's on your church's website. What, is that, what does that mean to you? What do you define as life without
1: limits? Well, I, t- to me, the, the the simplest answer is it's life in the kingdom of God. Um, I think for a lot of Christians, you know, we've heard about the gospel, um, the gospel of of what Jesus did for us on the cross and how our sins are forgiven and how if you believe this, you don't have to go to hell. You can go to heaven when you die. You know, we hear that message, and that's kind of what we equate with the gospel. And I thank God for the truth of, of, the, of the atonement and what Jesus did for us. But what Jesus actually came and preached and what you see the New Testament believers preach was, was the gospel of the kingdom of God. So it wasn't just a message with implications about the what happens when we die. It's, it's a message that, that says you can have a fundamentally different life here and now, and it's life in the kingdom of God. You can enter into a new order of reality where new possibilities are available as believers filled with the Holy Spirit walk in the footsteps of Jesus. And according to John 14, we do even greater things than he did. So when we talk about life without limits, we talk about life in the kingdom of God
0: awesome and and one thing i think some people and and like you i'm so thankful for the message of salvation and then it, we have to realize that there's so much more yes you know and that's that's one of the things i think that that there's a there's a huge contingent of the population that unfortunately think that you get saved and that's it
1: Yes, yes, but I completely agree. (laughs) There is so much more. There, for me, you know, I grew up in the church. Uh, I was a pastor's kid. I grew up in a church that believed in the power of the Holy Spirit, and so the idea that God wants to move in power was not new to me. But I had actually, I would say, a massive breakthrough revelation. In um, it started in 2017. It was a bit of a process, but what began in 2017 was that understanding of. When Jesus uh, did ministry, when Jesus proclaimed the gospel, it wasn't this sort of like modern American version of the gospel where, you know, you believe something so you get to go to heaven when you die. And then sort of you just try to live a nice life and eventually you get to go to heaven. Um, Jesus came and he preached a message of salvation here and now. And I began to look at like even the word salvation and the the Greek word for salvation. Suddenly I realized the implications for this are huge. These aren't just this isn't just the fact that I get justified by the cross, right? It's that God wants to begin to bring salvation into the world through me that affects my my health, my life, my mental well-being, um, that affects the kind of power, supernatural power that I work in. And then I I, I dug deeper and I saw that everywhere Jesus goes, the gospel is never just a matter of proclamation. There's always a demonstration right. of the power of God. And then you see that. Through the book of Acts, the exact same pattern uh, gets followed there. So I just I, – I, to, be, to be really honest, I actually went through a season of deep conviction myself because I was one of those people who would say, can God heal? Yeah, God can heal. Should we pray for God to heal? Yes, we can pray for God to heal. But for me, it was sort of like a – it was like you just sort of throw it up to heaven and God's going to do whatever he wants to do. Right. The idea that we can actually learn to operate at faith that produces supernatural results. And not only is that something we can do, it's actually, it's the intention of being brought into the kingdom. That's what changed for me. Understanding the authority that we've been given through the cross of Jesus to actually to speak certain things into reality and to actually change the world around us. And if we're not seeing that, it's not, I can't chalk up and say, well, it just must not be God's will. I have to ask a question and say, am I actually walking in the faith? That's available to me. So that was a huge, that was a huge revelation for me. And I think that's a,
0: that's a, it's a deep revelation, but it's also simple.
1: It's you very know, simple.
0: Yeah. And, and one of the things, and, and one of my favorite scriptures is Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Yeah. Where where it says, therefore, and I I love I love how it is in the amplified classic and and what I'm gonna say here is the Heather translation of that. But (laughs) but it's basically be imitators of God as well-beloved children imitate their father Mm. doing what he did, acting as he acted, and most of all do it in love. Yes. And and if you look and and you know, Jesus is our ultimate example. Yes. Everything he did, he did in love, but he did it through teaching and demonstration, just like you yes. said. Yes. And and I think that's where um and, and I love church, don't get me wrong, I love gathering of believers to to share what God is doing. But we have in a in a lot of ways we've lost the art of of the demonstration, you know, it talks about when the disciples went and taught the word. It was always with signs and wonders following. Yes, that, and,
1: I and think that's we what turn
0: that off. Sometimes
1: uh, I believe, yeah, I believe we turn it off. And I, here's the here's the truth. I think most Christians. I, I know this is going to sound like a radical statement. I think a lot of Christians. I would say the majority of the church in the West. We actually just don't even operate with a functional worldview that understands that, that God wants to work that way. That's what I, that's what I mean when I said it was so deeply convicting for me. Cause I, what I came to, the way I put it is I think the gospel, the, 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 the proclamation of the gospel has three irreducible elements. And what I mean by that, it's like the three legs on the stool. You can't take one out and have a fully functioning stool anymore. Right. And when I began to, when I did this deep study of the gospels and especially the book of Acts, and I came to understand this isn't like healing, uh, miraculous works, demonstrations of the power of God, these aren't like peripheral to pro- the to, to proclamation of the gospel. They're not the icing on the cake. They're part of the cake. They're baked in it, it, because we're actually ushering in another reality. I and mean, Jesus is the one who said to us in John fourteen twelve that that we're going to do the works that he did. And in and fact, and we'll do even greater things. things. And greater yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah, and that's that's one of the ones that that scripture and and the one and I, I believe it's also in John, although I'm not sure of the street address off the top of my head, <laughs> where, where it says um, that the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth.
1: Yes, yep.
0: And and so many times we learn about. God the Father, we learn about God the Son, but we forget about God, the Holy Spirit, Amen. the Amen. one that's in us, the one that gives us the power to do the john John fourteen, where we're doing the greater works that Jesus did.
1: well that and that's exactly what in that's actually in the same section, right? John fourteen through seventeen, you know kind of Jesus' final words in the upper room to his disciples. and Jesus himself, Makes this promise, and and then what he does is he says, and here's how it's going to happen through the power, right? And so even as he tells them at the end of John, you know, receive the Holy Spirit, right? Right. Uh, I believe if Jesus said to his disciples before he ascended, receive the Holy Spirit, I believe they have it, and I believe every Christian has the Holy Spirit. You can't be one without the Holy Spirit. But then Jesus says in Acts chapter one, I want you to wait until you're clothed with power and i think it's that power encounter the fire the baptism of the holy spirit that a lot of christians are are looking for when they want yeah. It more yeah
0: and i i i have you know god has revealed to me over the last few months you know what the church of the west as as you called it has kind of become we we go we listen to a good message and and we go home and we try to live a good life and You know, that'll get us to heaven and whatnot. But it reminds me very much of the Old Testament. Yes. You know, where, where, you know, God wanted to come down to the mountain to talk to his people and they got scared because Moses' face was glowing. So they're Mm -hmm. like, you, you go here to God, you go here from God for us and tell us what he said. Yes. And then throughout the entirety of the Old Testament, you had God speaking to priests, prophets, you know, and then they would relay the information to the people yeah and and then you get into the the whole idea of church history. in the New Testament, everybody shared, everybody participated. Yes, and then you you get into uh, you know Constantine and his and his <laughs> legalization of the church, if you will. Yeah. And and you go right back to that Old Testament structure where you're putting somebody at the front and we're saying you can't hear from God for yourself, you have to hear through this person. And that's what Jesus broke down. Yes. But yet we've embraced that as the way it should be. It's like, no. We have the Bible for ourselves. We have the Holy Spirit in us for ourselves. It's something that we have access to and we, you know, when it talks about make disciples of of all people, you know, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out yeah. demons, that's for believers.
1: Yeah. Not just, these- just preachers. It's these signs who will follow those who believe. And so that was another big thing that I began to look at because um in my in you know my church interactions, I, I've over the years have had a chance to network with people in a lot of different places. And a lot of the people that I knew in, in um in areas of ministry where I worked, you know, for them, the the most you'd get from them is, well, God can work and do something supernatural if he wants to. Um, but this idea that somehow, no, believers are actually empowered to walk in this. That is, that's part of what it means to be a Christian. And I think, honestly, for me, I think a lot of it comes down to, we've misread Jesus. Um, when we look at Jesus in the new Testament, I I know I fell prey to this, um, myself. Like you look at Jesus and you're like, you see Jesus do these, these amazing things. And you're like, wow, well, you know, he is God. Mm -hmm. Um, but I'll never forget the moment when I realized, and I took really seriously Philippians chapter two, where it talks about Jesus emptying Himself. Now, I mean, nobody believes that Jesus actually stopped being God, right? right? But he he emptied Himself of all those divine rights and privileges. And if you look at it, I believe that Jesus' ministry, what it is, is it's it's ministering out of dependence, not out of His divinity. Right. Um, so, in other words, Jesus is Jesus is modeling for us exactly what the life of a believer can and should look like who's walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Absolutely. And really, and
0: and it it boils down to this, and, and I got a similar revelation a while back, is that everything that Jesus did on the earth, he yes. did as a man. Yes. Under yes. the power of the Holy Spirit, but he did it as a man. Because if he was doing it as God, that would never be something we could do work towards right we could attain but doing it as a man as a human means we have that exact same ability to do what he did and greater yes but if he was doing it as all god that'd be something we could never touch
1: amen yeah and exactly and that's exactly what i'm when i say he was jesus in his humanity was dependent on the person of the holy spirit to do the ministry that he did. And in that, he's saying to us, you can do that ministry. And so I think, you know, you look at what's going on in the West and the church in America, and so much of it, I believe, is just rooted in ignorance. And I use that word not as a pejorative, but like people just aren't aware of what God has for them. They're not aware of the fullness that he wants for them. And I think in some ways, I don't know, I don't think it's always intentional but i think what you talked about just kind of that corporatization of the church you know we're kind of turning the church right back into sort of a the one guy at the front with the anointing as opposed to a movement of people that you read about in the new testament i think for a lot of people these structures these systems have set limits of awareness on what god has and wants to make available to them
0: absolutely and and you know i'm i'm all about schools and degrees. You and I both have degrees. Yeah. And that's that's not the issue. You know, the scripture show thyself approved unto God. Yep. But it's so much more than that, it's it's you can sit in school all day long. But when you do what I call the school of the Holy Spirit, Uh where you allow him Work And you you get in the word for yourself and you spend time in prayer for yourself. I mean, I, you know, you grew up as a preacher's kid. I did not, you know, (laughs) so the idea of becoming a minister was like the furthest thing from my mind. Yeah, you know, if 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 growing up, if somebody had pointed at like me and my cousins and picked two of us to be ministers and two of us not to, I was not going to be the one they pointed to. (laughs) You know, uh, they they they, they, you know you got you got much other. It ain't going to be that one. Um, (laughs) She 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 off the rails over here. But yet, (laughs) when you allow. The truth of the, of the Scripture, of the whole Scripture, you know, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth.
1: Yeah, amen. When,
0: when you dig into that for yourself, it changes you.
1: Amen. Well, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, right? Amen. So, it, it, and so if that's the case, if, if you have to have a right understanding of the Word to really operate in faith, well, the other key thing to realize is that they, I believe that, that faith is the key that unlocks all of the possibilities of a life without limits. Um, right. You can't have that unless you're operating in faith. And the problem, again, for a lot of people is for them, faith means, I believe, a certain set of facts or truths, right? Right. It's, it's not an actual um, mode of the heart. Um, we, we actually, for a lot of people, they, they might... Understand revelation, but have they actually grasped revelation in faith? Yeah. And that's again where we come back to the person of the Holy Spirit, of understanding how he wants to breathe on the word for us. How does he want to how, how does he want to meet with us in that place? And to me, that's where the secret place of of fellowship with the Father, that's where all of this begins to flow in new ways.
0: Yeah, and I believe it's in Ephesians where. Where Paul talks about, you know, I pray that you understand the revelation. <laughs> and yeah. and that's, that's, to me, when, when we talk about who we are in, in Christ and we, we talk about faith, like you say, most people say, I have faith. But what they're saying is, I have a belief
1: system. Exactly.
0: Instead yes. of, I have faith which is this belief in the unerring Word of God that changes lives, that changes the dynamics, that can change the world around you because we have that power in what we say, in how we act. We have the ability to do everything that Jesus did when He walked on the earth.
1: Yes. And that's—so our (laughs) church— Our, the name of our church, Inheritance, uh, it came out of me recognizing this, this revelation that we're talking about right here. Mm-hmm. And to be honest with you, it's, and I think this is where it's so important because I think sometimes when people talk about the power of faith and the word, you hear people move into this sort of idea that like somehow it's a mechanistic formula that if you just believe something hard enough, now you can force God's hand. He's going to have to do something for you. And um, it can become mechanistic as opposed to relational. Do you understand what I mean? I do. Because uh, you can see, you can hear people I, I, uh, talking a, a lot about faith in certain circles, and it becomes this sort of like like I said, it's a mechanistic way of getting what you want. And um, I believe that faith does bring the desires of your heart to pass in many cases. But I believe what the Lord, what the Lord for me, where He started revealing this at the, the deepest level was when it, it just became understanding that, what he, that where faith flows from is the trusting, loving closeness I have with my father. And because when I understand his heart, his goodness, and how he sees me now, I'm not just some safe sinner um, who's, who's now just trying to hang on with my fingernails until I get to glory. No, I'm a beloved child of God. Right. And he wants – I can trust him. I can believe in him. I can have a relationship with him that's not built around religious performance and checking all these right boxes. He actually, through the Holy Spirit, he wants to have the same intimate relationship with me that he had with Jesus right. and has with Jesus. And so, so for me, that's where, that's kind of the headwaters of all this. And so that idea of inheritance, when I had a supernatural Holy Spirit experience with the face of Jesus, the love of God – in a powerful unique way i was like why doesn't everybody else know about this that this is what jesus died to give us that he died to give us a life without limits and so for me it was the image i always had was of someone sitting there they have a a dining room table that's filled with bills and they're freaking out wondering which one they're going to have to skip and which one they're going to pay and how am i going to make this work and they don't realize that, like sitting right next to them is an envelope with an inheritance check for $10 million. Right. Um, all their problems are taken care of. And I, so for me, that the name inheritance and the passion that God's given me for my ministry is I want to see people awakened to the fullness of what it really does mean to know and follow Jesus and be filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. Because too many Christians, I think too many Christians and too much of the church is living like that stressed out person who's like, where are we going to get what we need to make a difference? Well, guess what? You have far, far more than you realize. Absolutely. You just, need, you just need to understand how to get there.
0: And and that's a true statement because we've been taught to live in, for lack of a better term, the world system. Yeah. Instead of in God's system where He supplies all of our needs according to His glory in Christ mm. Jesus. <laughs> and, and that's that to me, I yeah, when when we talk about You know the scripture tells us that when we become believers, like you said, and and I hate that that term that I'm just an old sinner saved by grace. No, you have become a new creation, a new creature in Christ that is now a son or a daughter. Yes, and with that, all access to the rights and privileges thereof.
1: Mm. Amen. You know. And it's just like, yeah. And that was, we'll see. And that was the revelation I needed. I mean, I, you know, I, we were talking a little bit of, uh, just about our, you know, growing up and I mean, I, I love Jesus. I mean, I grew up loving Jesus. I, um, I mean, I'm like everybody else. I was, I sin, but I mean, I wanted the father. I wanted to please the father. I love the Lord, but I was also this firstborn kid, um, and who was, who lived a life when you're kind of a pastor's kid, sometimes you're in the visible eye of a lot of people. And so I kind of, without realizing, without knowing it, as I went through life, part of me bought into this idea that somehow um, my performance validates my place in the Father's heart. Um, and I honestly, you know, as everybody else is aware of my own areas of growth where I might want to see more growth or areas of failure where I might have failure – you know, for me, it was like I honestly thought every time I come into the Father's presence, it, I believed like, OK, he has to accept me because I believe in Jesus. But I honestly, if I thought if I really was honest, I would have thought the Father is always sort of shaking his head ruefully at me and <laughs> is is kind of disappointed in me. And I think that's because the gospel that gets preached, as I said before, it's so much the gospel of simply of get, get your sins taken care of and then. Try your best in life, and then when you get to heaven, you'll finally be a good person that God can love, and your sin will all be gone. And I think we've underestimated the the fullness of what Jesus did, man. He took care of it all. God doesn't see us as these like miserable little worms crawling our way through life. He sees us as his beautiful children who are being raised up into a new kind of life. Yeah,
0: I actually want to read this scripture. It just kind of popped up. Uh, and it's Hebrews 2.10, mm-hmm. and I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. And it's talking about Jesus, and it says, For now He towers above all creation, for all things exist through Him and for Him, mm. and that God made Him the pioneer of our salvation. God made Him perfect through His sufferings, for this is how He brings many sons and daughters to share in His glory. <laughs> And that, to me, I mean, we we talk about uh, you know the the American church is like puts Jesus at a level we can never attain, right? But yet it says that we share in His glory. You know, Ephesians talks about the fact that we are already seated in the Spirit with Him, far above all the junk on the earth. Amen. And so well, that's a right we have. That's access we have.
1: And, and, and you know, it's it, to me, <laughs> I, I honestly, part of what drives me on this is that I, I spent so much time uh, studying theology and church history. So, I mean, I've like, I've got like three degrees in that stuff and have, you know, written academic papers and I thought, I'll just be honest with you. I didn't, I mean, I don't feel like I was necessarily cocky about it, but I, I thought I knew, okay, this is what Christians believe. (laughs) Right. You know, and I could give you, I could give you, I could give you footnotes on it. And I honestly, part of me thought, well, this, I know what the scripture says about this X, Y, and Z. And it took the Lord immersing me in a new, um, I don't know how to say it, just a new experience of his love and power. In that moment when I looked into the face of Jesus and that out of that grew, I'm, I'm suddenly reading the word in a new way. And I realized, like, you know, just as much, it, I, I said, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Well, what happens if your reading of the word of God is limited, right? What if it's controlled more by tradition than by actual intention revelation, Right. Like right. that's a big question to ask yourself. Because if that happens what you're going to discover is that you you can actually your understanding of what the word says and means in certain ways can actually limit you into existence behind walls of unbelief rather than walls of faith. I'm not saying you're not a Christian. I'm just saying that you're limited by false beliefs. Right. And I think for a lot of the church that's what we see. It, it you're absolutely right. I know for me
0: personally one of the things that I ask Holy Spirit when I sit down to read the word yep. is show me something new. Mm. <laughs> you know, there's a there's a difference. You know, James tells us if we lack wisdom to to ask and he's faithful to give it to us. Mm-hmm. And to me, there's a difference between wisdom and revelation, mm-hmm. which is why the reason Paul says, I wish that you have revelation of this. Mm-hmm and to me wisdom is that head knowledge you know the things we study the things that we've learned the things that have been ingrained in us through teaching through the years but then you move from wisdom to revelation so mm. you go from that head knowledge to what we would we would colloquially call heart knowledge or right. or that holy spirit revelation of something different and something deeper. And that's where we as believers, and and I don't care, and this is for our listeners, I don't care if you're in ministry or you just sit on a pew. It doesn't matter because every single believer has access to this.
1: Amen. Amen. And you just used my favorite word, which is access. I mean, that's the whole, again, that goes back to inheritance. Um, for us, like for me, it's like, this is not the realm of, a, of an elite few. It's, it's the calling of every Christian. And um, unfortunately, I think a lot of the church has accepted a structure that's built around um, come and receive the services that are prepared for you and packaged by people who are professionals and the church has become much more institutional rather than being what it is which is a movement it's a growth movement it's not an institution that's yes. that's run by a cel
0: and that's the difference the church in in the western world the church is very business oriented yep where where we go okay we this is this is your role this is your role and mm-hmm. there the two shall mix you know right, and right. and But that's not the church represented to us in the New Testament. And frankly, not, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, that's not where, you know, they went from house to house, everybody sharing what God had given them. Some a song, some a word, some a testimony. You know, it was an interactive relational, like you talked about, relational standard.
1: Completely agree. And it's also not a, that, that version of church isn't going to survive the current era. Um, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to be completely gone, but I'm saying it's, you know, people in our world today, it's not enough to have, um, an ideological position and a set of behaviors that you offer to people. Um, they, people in our culture, they, they have a lot to choose from. And if, if what you have isn't real, and if it's not something that's real, not just to a guy who's up front, who has fi- quote unquote financial motivation to preach a message, right? I mean, this is what he does for his living. If the people who are part of the church, who are the church, aren't themselves alive and attractional and living a different kind of life, why should anybody else join the group? Right? Why should anybody else join the club? And so you look at the early church, and as you said, it was, it wasn't... And I love the Mark 16 version of the Great Commission because it specifically is saying this is for everyone, right? Everyone. We're meant to be this organic movement of people. We're not meant to be an institution led by people who are full time employees and who basically get other people to join their their nonprofit programming. Now, I'm not again. I'm not. I, I make a living being a pastor. It's not all that I do, but it's part of what I do. And so I'm not. I'm not saying that the idea of having people who our leaders or who are paid and who are given the margin to do ministry full time are that's somehow unchristian. But if the vision and the goal isn't to say, I want you to be empowered to go, as opposed to, I need you to come here and give, <laughs> right. then I think we're, I think we're we're missing the church as Jesus planned.
0: Well, and when you talk about about leadership and and things like that, you know, the scripture tells us that we have the fivefold ministry, the apostolic, yes. evangelic, pastors, teachers, you know, we have those roles, but yes. they are there to equip the saints. That's every yes. believer yeah. to do the work of the ministry. Not mm-hmm. that the fivefold is to do the work of the ministry, but they're to empower <laughs> the body to do the work of the ministry you know Amen. every believer is called to be salt and light and like you said yes. who wants to join the club if it's not any different than than what the world has Amen. and that's where where things have changed so much over the last three four years
1: Yes. That
0: people got comfortable watching things online. They go here, they get this nugget here, this nugget there. And I'm I'm not about that. We all use social media. We all have things like this podcast that are there to encourage people and to build people up. But there's a power when you gather together, mm-hmm. but it's something for everybody. Yes, you have a leader because God doesn't do things out of order. So the right. leader is there to facilitate everybody sharing and growing in their gifts and being equipped to go do
1: what Jesus called us to do in Mark 16. I I couldn't agree more. And that was really for for me that was a paradigm shift. The Lord, it was in 2020 where I I had just that a major new revelation of the Father's love, which delivered me of fear of man and a lot of other things, and that that began the process of saying, okay, what should the church look like? You know, I'd been going through this period of saying, okay, if this is what the gospel of the kingdom means, why don't I see more of this? And for me, it was I I was looking in at myself and asking questions of myself. What? How am I? how, how am I not leading? the way the Lord would want me to lead. Yeah. And so then, that led through that prop. Go ahead. I was going
0: to say, and that then changes what you wind up doing. And, and that exactly changed, changed your church dramatically.
1: Well, so, and that was really where, so we walked through a process of, it was a very healthy process of kind of like I had raised up another leader, kind of, I, I felt like it was time for a new wineskin. So that was why in 2021, you know, I left a church that I had led through a major kind of revival period, we had over a, a thousand people in the congregation. It was a healthy growing church. But I realized we were gonna try that there were too many systems in place. The church had been founded in 1965. Oh, wow. I said the Lord spoke to my wife and I said, We need a new wineskin here. And one of the core convictions we had on the beginning was that we want to be about people, not programming. Yeah. Um that it's Part, part, of, I mean, it, it, a lot of successful churches they they grow because they bring people in because they have these programs that you can come. But I think, and I'm not against any kind, any form of programming, but what sure. can happen very often is we turn the church into a vending machine for people.
0: Oh wow, yeah. As
1: a as opposed to turning it into an, an equipping school that actually now they're going to actually go out. And so we spend a lot of time, energy, effort, and frankly, our church budget on raising up people to go and be leaders, kingdom expanders. That's and
0: awesome. So that was
1: for us, that was a paradigm shift.
0: Sure. I think for a lot of people, it would be. So yep. as, as we're wrapping up our time today, Adam, and, and again, I, I have totally enjoyed this. I could probably talk to you for another two hours on, on this topic <laughs> alone because we're yeah. so similar in that regard. But yeah. um, are there any final encouragements or anything you have for our listeners?
1: Yeah. I believe that every Christian, first of all, we, we just need to be so amazingly convinced of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Um, Jesus, and I think a lot of Christians operating, in it's very difficult to move in faith when you operate in the spirit of condemnation and shame. So I think the first thing we all need to realize is that when Jesus took the punishment on our behalf on the cross, and he, he took it all. And if Jesus took it all, there's nothing left over for us. <laughs> yeah, That's amazing to me. Like God's displeasure against every sin ever committed, God's anger, God's wrath, Jesus willingly, he received all of that for us. And so there's nothing left over for us. So for, if you're a Christian who's bound in shame and in guilt and in like, kind of like I, for me, it was a low grade sense of disappointment to the father. You need to just receive what Jesus has done for us. The father doesn't have any of that left over for his kids. He loves us. So I think that's the first thing. And then the second thing I'd want to say is that there is more. There's more available to everybody. It's not something that's for a select few. And it's not something that's rocket science. It's just something you simply need to be willing to pursue. And when you do it, I'm just going to tell you that the the whole kind of like, what's this Christianity thing all about? Those problems get solved really fast. And you come to understand that the kingdom of God is the greatest adventure you could possibly live. So those are the simple things. The the, the father's goodness and love is directed towards his kids unconditionally. And he wants to, through the Holy Spirit, lead us on not a a performance-based religion, but lead us into a grace-based journey of growth that only expands us and gives us more. And that's beautiful. It it is absolutely
0: beautiful. So for everybody listening, uh, if you happen to be in the Grand Rapids, Michigan area, check out Adams Church's Inheritance Church. Adam, where can they find you online to get more information?
1: Sure. Um, The easiest way to learn about inheritance would be to go to inheritance.church. That's our website, inheritance.church. Uh, we're also available on the app store. We're on social media, those kinds of places. So you can check us out there. I have uh, my own website is adamtbar.com. And so some of the stuff I've written and some of the ministry I've done is there. I honestly need to update the website in a major way. And I would say the other the other big place, if people want to connect with me, my favorite channel to turn them towards is my Substack. Okay. So if you're a person who's on Substack, you can find me there, um, Adam T. Barr. And um, my sub-stack's called Kingdom Christians.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much again, Adam, for joining us. Uh, if anybody has any questions, any comments, feel free to let us know. We will get right back to you. As always, you have been listening to Exchanging Eternal Truths. I'm your host, author and minister, Heather Lancaster. And until next week, be blessed, my friends.